Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Welcome to Rex Sykes Movie Beat, conversations with filmmakers where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. And we will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera. And I will provide you with the guests and the information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. And so now let's move behind the scenes here at Movie Beat. The chat room is open. If you're listening live, you can join us in the chat room. If you're listening to this archive, sorry that uh, option's not available to you. Uh, but it is if you listen to us live. And every time we listen, every time we record, every time we're live, we're recording the show, which is immediately archived and available 24 7 from rexsykes.com. That's the official URL for Rex Sykes Movie Beat. It's my name. I'm your host. It's R E X S I K E S. Dot com. So join us live or archive. My guest today um, is uh, Randy Miller. He's a composer, an arranger, a conductor. He does film score and motion pictures, television, a list of credits, a very long list. You're going to want to check him out on IMDb, and I encourage you to read his biography at RexSykes.com and the interviews blog. All of my guests have a bio page and a link to listen live or archive, so please do that. Also, if you're listening live, or archive, share the show, contact somebody right now, reach out to them either on social media or in person or by email or phone, and invite them to join us and to uh, and to take part in listening to this important show. My other guest today is Lenore and- Andreal. She is the producer of Yellow Rock. Randy and Lenore work together on the feature uh, Yellow Rock. We've been talking about that before. We've got a series going on the movie. We've talked to the director. We've talked to the cast. We've talked to uh, uh, second unit director and producers and the executive producer. I mean, we are really uh, exploring Yellow Rock in depth, and, and I'm so glad that we are. And I'm happy to have Randy and uh, Lenore with us today. So without any further hesitation, let me bring them both on. And we'll say hello, Randy. Are you there? Let's see here. Yeah. Randy, good morning. There? I'm good here. Morning. Good morning. Awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Fantastic. And Lenore, how are you? I'm great, Rex. It's great to be back. It's great to have you back. It's great to have both of you here this morning, and I'm looking forward to uh, uh, You know, this show is really close to my heart for a, a number of reasons. I have been doing the show now uh, just about four years, in, in about uh, 10, 12 days. Something, I think the 9th of February uh, 2009 was the first show I did, and I had originally wanted to be airing my shows back in, in as early as 2005 or 2006. My web developer at the time delayed me, uh, you know, three to four years going, well, the technology isn't there. But anyway, long story. But one of the one of the people that I wanted to have on the show very early on, or one of the positions, one of the uh, uh, occupations, was a, a composer, somebody who scores music and arranges music for film. Uh, because, you know, we are so used to seeing the visual components of movies, and, and that's excellent. And a lot of people, you know, filmmakers, they direct and cut and edit. 
you know, uh, sound people I think are absolutely crucial, maybe in some ways more than picture people. And and while all are important, I don't mean to, you know, but if <laughs> I walk out of a movie if I can't hear it, you know, or I put the mute on at home if I can't understand what they're saying, you know, which I can't do in the movie yeah. theaters. But m- music is one of the things that when I was a child, I would play, you know, silly music to horror films. I'd turn the volume down and play circus music and it, it would become a different movie. I would play... Uh-huh scary music to a you know a, a disney show that was funny or something and it would become a, a different thing altogether the the ability to evoke emotion and or to cue the audience about what they might or should feel uh is 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 part and parcel you know or, or almost in its entirety up to the kind of score that is laid down or, or that accompanies the pictures that we have and of course sound effects so um, to have uh, Randy on and to to have you here, Eleanor, to be able to discuss how you did that with Yellow Rock and how Randy does that in, on other movies and TV and other projects, uh, it's a thrill for me. <laughs> yes, and it's so it, it, that's a great point because if you go back to uh, the history of film music, it started when there was no dialogue. There was just images and music, and that was it. And there was Excellent. turn of the century, turn of the 19th Excellent. century, yeah. Yeah, that accompaniment and and uh, yeah, I mean, and if you go to a silent movie house today, you know, you can still sometimes have uh, somebody playing, you know, a keyboard or something in accompaniment to it. But you know, if it's not attached to the to the theatrical film, excellent point. Well, let me ask you first off, just uh, Randy, how uh, how did how did you get started, you know, uh, from music, and then and and I guess relate that to how does one break into scoring movies in 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 Hollywood or television. Yeah, uh well there's there's so many ways and so many stories. Uh, my particular story was I was uh I grew up in a musical household. My mother was an entertainer, professional vocalist, and I started um around a- age 10 with clarinet and piano. <clears throat> and then um Started working in the hotels in the uh, in, in the Catskill Mountains, and then uh, finally decided that I wanted to go to music school. Went to music school at Berkeley in Boston. Started doing musical theater there, orchestrating and conducting and and arrangements, and uh, and then wound my way down to Miami. Did the same thing there, but broke into some local film work film music work but very little and mostly I was still arranging and orchestrating for records and some live uh, shows and then I was brought out to Los Angeles um, to uh, to finish a project that I, that I had started at Criteria Studios in, in, in Miami and coming out here I met a few people and uh, and then decided I want to come out here because that this was a chance to go full-time into composing, which is really what I went to school for as compared to arranging and orchestrating. And I came out here and went to school at USC for a uh, a master's program in in film scoring. And then I started doing student films, which is, to answer your question, that's probably the most important important thing for young composers to do for all kinds of reasons, to get experience, to, uh, to, to get demos, to meet people. In my case, I was doing a student film... Um, and I met a, a copyist, a professional copyist, a French horn player, and she was kind enough to work on the student film with me, w- with me, uh-huh. for free, really. And uh, although she had a 
pretty established job as a music copyist, and she asked me if I wanted to work for her as a as basically a, a courier. You know, this is in the early '90s, 1990, um, when there really was no uh, you know internet per se to send things back and forth. So she sent me out to a composer's house out in Malibu. His name is Robert Folk, who's a big name, a very established yeah. composer. And uh, at the time, I took one package out there as this courier uh, job, and uh, he was working on a score for Can't Buy Me Love, which is a film, a uh, Patrick Dempsey film, and um, and he hired me to, to write music for the film. The very first day, I, I went out and did a job for her, and I never <laughs> expected that. And I was here, we were working on this big film, writing some source music. It was very exciting, and... Uh, so that that was my story, kind of one of the stories of breaking. And the other thing was just the student films that I did. Many, many of the filmmakers um, went off and did professional projects through the years. And even to this day, I'm still working with some of them that I did these student films uh, with. Uh, there's a producer over at Disney. Um, his name is Rick Gittleson, and he produces a show called Handy Manny. And uh, I did the signature songs, which have been very, very successful. They play every day on this uh, on this TV series. Oh, cool. And he, um, yeah, he, um, I just talked to him last week. He's got another show coming up. So these kind of things. Um. That's awesome. Now, I also want to point out to my listeners that Lenore Andrielli is here. She's a producer and uh, the writer and uh, an actress, uh, all in uh, her own movie, Yellow Rock, as well as in other movies. And uh, it's good to have you here, Lenore. Thank and you, I Rick. Appreciate it. And I appreciate you, you know, bringing us Randy as well. I mean, I, I think this is the a coup in 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 uh, being able to have you both here. Uh, so this is awesome. Now let let's let's just dive right in for the for the for the for the start of the show, and that is how do you score a movie? What are the steps in the process? You could be as detailed as possible, because you know, and then and speak to the musician uh, who's listening in and or the filmmaker. Uh, I uh, grew up in a family who is musically inclined, and I I you know. Uh, I am not. My daughter is. My mom and dad were, you know, things like that. But I just am not. Um, so speak to me too, because I, or to the listener out there, the director or the producer or the, or the person out there who isn't musically inclined. How do you score a movie? How do you? Uh, what are the what are the the nuts and bolts of it? And then we'll get into you know the the notion of how you uh, look at scenes and d- determine the emotions and things like that. But what are, what what's the nuts and bolts process of of scoring? Well, um, there are certain types of projects that that go in a similar way, but um, we can use you know Yellow Rock as as an example. Uh, That's great. Yeah, because it, it is it is a, a there is commonalities and and in this film um, gives is, is a good is a good starting point for to answer that. Well. Uh, Typically, you need to get hired, of course, and with that, <laughs> with that, um, you need to send out demos. And even uh-huh. though I knew Lenore, you know, you, you still have a certain process to go through to make sure that that you're the uh, right composer for the particular picture. And so you send out demos. You try to find music that um, is exactly right, and that's hard to do because each film is different. Yellow Rock was a very, very different, so I really had nothing that was exactly right, and, and I think Lenore had a hard time finding temp music, which we'll talk about a little bit later, mm-hmm. that was exactly right, because this film 
brought in elements of uh, sort of a traditional Western. It brought in Native American spirituality. It brought in Native American um, supernatural elements, which is kind of a whole level past the spiritual things. And and it blended them into a time in the 1880s, which is very specific, uh, suggesting a certain type of music. Um, so, yeah, so you're starting with demo tapes, and then you get yourself hired, hopefully. And uh, in uh-huh. this case, I thank Lenore for hiring me because it's a great project. <laughs> and then um, once you're past that and you gain some trust, speaking with the filmmakers, in which we spoke very extensively, yeah. I have notes and notes and notes of, of each scene that has music. Well, let me, let me say before that, before... Um, the notes you 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 you're trying to figure out where the music goes and that's called spotting it's called a spotting session and that just means you pick the spots where the music's going to go and that's what we did we decided where the music is going to go we talked about it at length and and along with that then we got into the uh, specific ideas that Lenore wanted uh the music what she wanted the music to do Lenore mm-hmm. you want to you want to jump in here and talk a little bit about yeah. this? Yeah, that spotting session, I think, was um, – well, well, I think once you read the script, Randy, um, you completely got not only uh, the storyline but the message that we wanted to impact upon the audience. So, you know, I, I think, you know, mu- we all know that music is universal, and so it has to touch people. You know, we didn't want it to just be background music. We wanted the, the music to evoke emotion in the audience as they're watching the film. And Randy got the import of what we were trying to do with this film. So after he read the script, I mean, we had initial discussions even at that point, and he was coming up with ideas like, like crazy as we were on the phone, and it was really wonderful. And But, you know, of course he hadn't seen the film yet. So then my next process with him, and he had said, yes, thank God. Um, initially he actually went to him asking if he knew of another composer because Randy was just, you know, this amazing uh, A-list composer that I couldn't even um, pray long enough to get for this film, and thank God he said yes to this. And, and that <laughs> well, was because of the Lenore. script. Well, it's true, well, Randy. That, that's really, really important. Lenore, i got to jump in. That's really important yeah. because in this case, uh, I did read the script, and, and that's where I started seeing those really interesting elements of, of Western and what I mentioned before, about the spiritual stuff and the supernatural, and that that really is what got me interested because that's that's like a that's just so much fun to kind of try to combine those elements. Uh, so that that really got me excited. Go ahead. Yeah, can and, I, and yeah, can and that I gave ask, you the passion too, you know. And can I ask a question? Is that typical, Randy, that you get to read the script as as the composer, or do people just bring you footage and go, "Here, look at this"? How, how does how does the the whole entry thing normally or typically start? Yeah, it it really is a timeline. Uh, when you get called for a possible project before um, before it's filmed, then almost always they ask you to read the script because because that's all there is. If you're called uh-huh. in close to after the filming is done and there is is already a uh, uh, a movie to look at, then rarely do you look at the look at the script because it's already done. And, and as we all know, a lot of times it's it can change from what the script sure. is. But you have something to look at. So it really is a timeline thing. 
That's true. Thank yeah, you. you're right. And and uh, and this was an unusual case, Rex, because we had shot the movie already. So we had our editor uh, John Vasquez was working with our director Nick Vallelonga to do the first cut. Um, so we didn't have it to show to Randy. In other words, uh-huh. the, so the film, you know, even though he got the script, it wasn't at the beginning before we started filming. Um, which is what, what I think you're saying, right, Randy, that usually, you know, when you're getting the script, the movie hasn't been shot yet. Yeah, is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So this was an unusual situation um, because we just dove headlong into the film and, you know, there just wasn't enough time um, prior to shooting to, uh, because we had to work with Michael Bean and James Russo's schedules. So, um, you know, the first person I thought of, of course, was Randy. So it was an unusual situation. But once he read the script at that point and, um, thank God it evoked all this emotion in him and passion to create this. He said, you know, I, the heck with getting you another composer. I would love to do it. <laughs> so I was completely thrilled. Um, I knew that he had, uh, he, he's just such a respected composer. I knew that he would make this magnificent. And uh, what I didn't know was how we were going to actually do it because as the producer, you know, there was a certain budget level to this. So I was... Uh, certainly concerned about that. I wanted to give Randy his due and give him the latitude so that he could create what he wanted to create, yet I still had, you know, of course, budgetary restraints. I, it, this was not a studio picture. So go ahead, Randy, if you wanted to continue on with the process then for the next step for us. Yeah, I'll and, and actually, can I, can I, before you do, I just want to, I, I want to alert you to something, and that is that um, a, a mutual friend is in the chat room, and that's Christopher Lockhart. Ah, ah. <laughs> and, uh, great. <laughs> and uh, you know, he, you scored uh, Most Valuable Players, and uh, and that you know, people can even get that soundtrack for Most Valuable Players uh, on Amazon, and that's very cool. And uh, we'll have a link for that in the chat room. I want to I want to point out that Yellow Rock the movie. Uh, the website is yellowrockthemovie.com, correct, Lenore? Yes, it is, and it's the same for Facebook, Yellow Rock. Uh, there's no the, yellowrockmovie.com, uh, and the same for Facebook and Twitter. Yellowrockmovie.com. Mm-hmm. I, I, I uh, the reason I point that out is because people, may, people can get the movie right now, and they can hear the soundtrack, and they can see what we're talking about. They may not be able to do it this instant, but it is there. Um, and one other friend of ours is, is, I don't believe he's online, but Kurt Abduhan is, uh, you scored Amagrosa, or Amargosa. Yeah, several films <laughs> with Kurt. Yeah, and, and Kurt just, uh, he just did his, his own project as director, and uh, a film called Anniversary, which we worked on just just a few, really just a few months ago. And 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 uh, uh, um, uh, Chris is getting involved, or maybe I think is involved now with uh, another project called The Sandman, which is is something I'm I'm working on as well with with the same team from Most Valuable Players, Matthew Kalis. Sure. Um, so yeah, going back to the uh, the film um, and the process. So once the um, once we sit down and talk about what the music should be in the spotting session, where it should be, what it should be like, uh, sometimes in that process there's an interesting um, interesting thing called a temp score, and it just means a temporary score. So it's but people we call it a temp score, and that's just music that's pulled from other films that. Uh, are suggestive of what the filmmakers, the, the editor, the mm-hmm. producer, whoever is whoever is handling the music, what they think um, the music should be like. This film, 
for Yellow Rock, uh, that was very difficult because there is really no, I don't yeah. know of a score that had this combination of elements to it. So there was some temp music. A lot of it wasn't exactly right, and that's very useful too because you can look at a scene that has some music in it. Even if it's not right, you, you get an, a sense of what you sh what won't work. Uh, and, and if there's no music in a scene because they couldn't find something or they just didn't get to that scene, then that's kind of an open slate, and you talk about that. You talk about, uh, uh, well, let me say this. At some point, you need to talk about the budget, and, and Lenore just mentioned that, and that was something that we were up against. Uh, they, I'm sure Lenore would say every aspect of Yellow Rock was up against that because all <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. That's a small um, budget, but you know, yeah. we we did the you know we did a we did the right thing. And then Steve um, Doucette, um how do you pronounce his last name? Is it Doucette? Doucette that's you got it exactly okay, right. I'm sorry, I didn't say his name wrong. <laughs> Steve really came through. He, Lenore and Steve at some point after I said it, sending in. Okay, let me jump back before I talk about Steve and say that after we discuss the music, I start doing demos. And um, and the first thing I did in this case was the main title. And I don't always do that. Often, oftentimes, I do scenes throughout the movie, key scenes, almost always key scenes, in very important uh, places, uh, and establish those, then pull from those th th that music that I've written for these scenes throughout the movie that are very important, and then make a main title as kind of a... Uh, a summation of all the most important uh, musical um, gestures and themes. But in this case, I just felt differently about it, uh, and I just jumped into really quickly into the main title. I just felt that we needed to um, establish what the sound of this um, movie and the score was going to be right from the beginning. Uh, Lenore, you have anything to say? Uh, yeah, um, because I know that you and I, we had a, probably a, a more of a unique spotting session than what is the norm that you go through, and I know that that's something you wanted to talk about uh, today for the listeners and, and to Rex with because of the fact of how we did it and we broke it down, and when we would talk about the emotions, do you want to talk about that or do you want me to talk about it? Yeah, jump in a little bit, and then I'll, I'll, take, I'll, you know, I'll jump into okay. it. Go ahead. Okay. Um, first of all, I just want to ask you, Rex, is Chris Lockhart standing by? Did he have a question for Randy? I Rex? don't know if he has a question. He is, he is, he is listening. And, uh, okay. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no meaning. But let me also, before, before you start, let me say it's randymiller.com, R-A-N-D-Y-M-I-L-L-E-R.com is Randy's website as well. Thank you. We have Yellow Rock Movie. We've got randymiller.com. And... Um, and um, Chris is now typing something. So <laughs> <laughs> I thought he might. I just didn't want to just, leave him hanging there, you know. <laughs> well, no, Chris says he's just listening intently, and it's a great discussion. So thank you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's awesome. Um, when when we sat down to do the spotting session, um, this was this is the first film I've produced. So this was a whole new um, a whole new rodeo for me. And when we sat in in Randy's studio to to watch each one of the scenes, he would say to me, "What emotions do you want to evoke in this scene? Um, give me adjectives. What's you know? First, let, let's kind of talk about what's going on. Obviously, I see what's going on, but you tell me from your standpoint as the writer and producer, what uh, um, what do you feel is going on in this scene that you want to convey? You and the director and and your partners. And so we would talk about that." And then he would say, 
can you give me a couple of, of adjectives to describe the emotions that you want either to evoke from the audience or um, the emotions that are coming from the characters or from the scene? And I found that to be, as an actor and as a writer, I found that a great way to work because that's how I work. I work through emotion. Do you know what I'm saying, Rex? You know, you're an actor too. You know that's where you come from. And that's really important because you, you want, at the end of the day, you want that score to be enhancing um, not only the, the characters and the actors' performances, Michael Beans, James Russo's, the Spears Brothers, my own, but you also want it to be um, telling a story in between when we're not saying anything. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, that that right. is continuing that storyline, which is really important. I don't know that when people think about composition, you know, they think about, oh, it's, you know, it's the music in the movie. Well, so a lot more than that. It's another storyteller. And so when, when I would describe an emotion to him, it was wonderful because then he'd get excited and then I'd get excited. Remember that, Randy? And we were, yeah, I do. We were like and, two little kids, you know? It was, yeah, but it was incredibly useful. And, and uh, the, the other side of that is... is uh, uh, is when you get together with a producer or a director or both, and um, and I, I, I ask them to give me what they – I'd like to know what do they want the audience to feel, but I want it more – I'm looking for uh, emotional terms, dramatic terms, not musical terms. Right. So <laughs> one producer who came over here, definitely re- remained nameless, uh, <laughs> came over, you know, we're doing the, the same process, goes over to the piano, my keyboard, and he puts his hand around middle C. And I don't know if most people know where middle C is on the piano. It's about halfway. And um, he goes, I don't like any notes from here down. Don't do any notes from here down. <laughs> and this is a horror film where low notes happen to be very important. <laughs> so, you know, you don't want that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, that was not too useful. And, of course, I wrote low notes, and he had no idea, you know, that I did it and loved it. But, you know, so you don't want that kind of – you don't want someone coming here sitting down at the piano and starts telling you don't use flutes and oboes, you know, in combination with bassoons or violins. You know, I hate violas and uh, – but you do want exactly what Lenore, what Lenore just described is is uh, from a from a film storytelling point of view. That that's so useful. And every time, um, every time I I uh, would work on a scene, the very first thing I do is find those notes which I scribbled. They're completely scribbled, but uh, but legible. And I'd read them, and I would re- remember what Lenore had in mind um, for. Um, you know, for for the scene. One interesting thing is uh, now, because um, everybody works, including myself, on, on on the internet. You know, obviously, you don't. I don't have that much interaction with uh, directors and producers like I used to, because because you can do this. Uh, but it was so nice that we actually got together and uh, instead of just emailing, you know, and thoughts and and these kind of things, we actually got together and, and, and talked about it, which was which was fantastic. Yeah, it really was, and I think that um, one of the things that, one of the big discussions that we had, Randy, was about the curse 
in the film, and, and I yeah. don't think I'm giving anything away. I mean, it's it's certainly all over the internet about what the, the storyline of this is, um, which is good. The curse when you're when you're dealing with something, Rex, that is an intangible. You know, it's one thing to to score something, and that's specifically from from Michael Bean and his characters, Tom Hanner, and what he's going through, which is awesome. But then when you're dealing with something like this, uh, how do you make the curse have a sound? How do you evoke in, in the viewer's mind and in their ears what it is that you're trying to convey as this is the curse. And I think um, we, we had a really lovely discussions about this, Randy, and, and I think you did an amazing job because um, it has this haunting aspect, um, uh, certainly from the Native American side, because that's where the curse is coming from. So between what that did was that gave it almost this other character, that also then helped to enable um, our sound designer, Peter Lago from Monkeyland Audio. It helped him as well. Remember, Randy, he was, this became now a wonderful um, uh, co- collaboration between you and what he was doing as well. Um, so he created this, this sort of feeling of this haunted curse that then Peter was able to underscore with sound effects and sound design. Um, but uh, okay, Brandy. So then, yeah, after no, that, that's right. And 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 matter of fact, that particular um, example, uh, there's there's the opening main titles, and then that really, um, from what I remember, that the first little suggestion of that curse was when one of the characters, uh, Dietrich, um, comes into a uh, uh, is looking for the other main character, Hannah, and, and he drops a gold coin on this table, and, and the gold coin um, has to do with this curse and, and whatnot, and I think that moment I, I did a, uh, a small uh, rendition of this sort of curse theme and it it grew from there and it was used in in different ways it was used uh, in that instance it was played on acoustic guitars because we're dealing with kind of a more traditional western um scene uh, aspect to that scene yeah at that moment but it 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 went all over the place it was played on uh, indian flutes and, and percussion instruments and all kinds of things but that instance is where i i think was the first place I think in the score yep. that I used it. Oh, actually, it was one. It was right before a little bit on, on the empty, the very first scene uh, after the main title when they go into the uh, into the town, town. of Yellow Rock. Yeah, and it's, yeah. And it's quiet and kind of mm-hmm. eerie. But yes. there, was, there was more, uh, more. The music was more atmospheric and less, less uh, pointed um, as compared to the the second scene I was talking about with the gold coin. So let me ask you this, Randy, in, in that, you know, you read the screenplay, and I would imagine you have a, a certain feel, you know, you, you may organize your thoughts around the kind of music you envision would be um, appropriate, you know, or or the word appropriate is a weak word. I mean, you know, the, the, the kind of music you really want to have for this, sure. for this movie. And then you see the movie, and now... You know, it it either matches or doesn't match. You know, your internal vision, that kind of thing. Um, but whether it's scripted or or the actual footage, there are, like you said, there's opening titles. There's the introduction of the characters. There's different characters. There's uh, you know moments when not much in the way of action is happening, but maybe more conversational or people are moving, you know, from one location to another. And then there's um, action. 
or in case of yellow rack, you know, maybe gunfighting or different, you know, different things that go on. There's the native, you know, does each character get their own theme? You, you know, you decide that we're going to introduce. I mean, how does how does this? How do you when you're going through in a spot session and going here's where we want the music? Um, yeah, it's a great question. And, yeah. no, and, and understand. Yeah, it's it's a great question, and, and it's interesting because uh, styles and the way music is used in film is is constantly changing and constantly evolving or or mm-hmm. going devolving, if that's the word. I mean, so it kind of goes two ways, uh, many many different ways, not two ways, many different ways. In this case, in in, in Yellow Rock. Um, we wanted a, we wanted a, a very organic, um, natural sounding score. So we didn't want synths. We didn't want electronics, mm-hmm. uh, or, or at least to a very minimum. Yeah. We wanted it to sound um, organic to the look and feel of the film, uh, and, and that was interesting because um, the. So that that's sort of the overall texture of the music, but the specifics of the way it should sound is is really uh, has to do with themes and or or not themes, and and, and that's kind of the point I want to make is that Yellow Rock um, uh, was a type of film that I felt could handle a, a main main theme and, and in a broad, mm-hmm. bigger way. Even though we really didn't have the the budget to do that, but we, we ultimately fig- figured out a way to way to to get that, and that's uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Steve in a little bit. But in in uh, Yellow Rock, it was a combination. It's for me to decide, and for Lenore to to and Steve to decide whether they liked it or not. But in in this case, I thought that there should be a very strong Yellow Rock theme, which I I wrote for the main title. But then other scenes, it'd be more atmospheric and less thematic, like. Um, like for example the uh, the big uh, sacred burial ground, which is a very long uh, piece of music, it's close to seven minutes, and I just felt that there shouldn't be necessarily themes in there, but more more uh, dramatic gestures and moments. So I didn't use the theme in in that particular uh, place. Yeah, and so, that's a scene I would definitely love for us to, to talk about in greater detail because it's not like any other scene in the movie. It has no dialogue. Do you know what I mean, Randy? Yeah, yeah, and we can we can talk about that. Yeah. The general question that Rex had is, uh, yeah, as a composer, I'm looking at these scenes and I'm thinking, well, if I put a theme in there, is it going to pull, is it going to be too strong? Because a theme is a very strong musical element, a musical uh, uh, gesture. And, and should it, if I put a theme in, is it going to be fighting the dialogue and pulling the listeners away and they're going to be listening to the music? And I don't want that. I really just want them to feel the music. So with with Yellow Rock, it was a combination. There were many many scenes where I felt the theme was not the way to go because there was just too much happening in either dialogue or internal dialogue. Just just you know not even hearing anything, but seeing what the characters were going through. Uh, and then other scenes were especially when they're wide open and there's not a lot of dialogue and there's big uh, vistas like the opening titles. That's great place for theme. Myself, I'm still I love themes. I, I still love writing them i feel they're very uh useful and uh and they make an audience really connect with a picture filmmaking now has gone away a little bit from well more than a little bit quite a bit away from themes and there's a little bit more of just 
sort of underscore and just uh, a rhythm and uh, percussion and a little less thematic, more almost like wallpaper a little bit. So um, um, I'm not a big proponent of that all the time. Sometimes I think it works great, and I did do some of that in Yellow Rock where I felt it was appropriate. so, but yeah, that, that's it. So you're really working. And, and since I did want to write a theme, that was a really big moment for me. As a matter of fact, I'm sure you remember, uh, Lenore, that I writ- had written a theme for not only the main title, but the, the entire film. And it really wasn't quite right when you guys heard it. The first one I did, it was the a little one, too. Yeah. Uh, mm, it was, a it little was, too, it was uh, much more uh, Western. Western, yeah. It was much yeah. more uh, typical Western. Yeah. And and that was a big turning point for us, Rex. And and if you remember, Randy, you had sent uh, he had sent us um, uh, a temp with the scene, the opening title, um, where where Hanner's riding down the mountain, and it was wonderful. But it, the one thing that was hitting me was that it was going to sort of slightly, it was going to kind of change the 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 mood and the feel of the film. And Randy, uh, remember you and I talked, and it was the only time that Randy actually changed anything, and, and, and we had a discussion about it. Um, and we had this discussion about it, and one of the things that we were saying, Randy, if you remember, was that it, um, we were sort of leaving out the Native American aspect of it, and since the film is told from their point of view, was there a way to combine that or bring that element into it? And it was, Randy had his eureka moment. Um, I remember that anyway, Randy, I don't know if you do. And and that was where you really started to then intertwine, do a lot more intertwining and also the haunting aspect of it, um, that this was not your typical shoot 'em up Western. And that's what we wanted to sort of declare right at, right out of the gate with the film. It's sort of the buckle your seatbelt buckle your seatbelt moment for the audience. You're going to go on a ride. Remember, Randy, we were saying it was also a journey movie. Sure, of course I remember. Yeah, and yeah. you know we had that discussion, Rex. And then once he had, he really. He just took off at that point. I mean, he went, you know, I got it. And at that moment, he came up with a different uh, uh, opening theme that was the basis of the entire movie. For me, at least, it was the basis of the entire movie. It set the tone. It it gave him his basis to go back to. And it just changed everything. And it was really a roller coaster right from that point on. It He really just soared. And it was magnificent. I, I remember that. And and to this day, when I hear that opening theme, I get chills. I cry. I'm. It's everybody loves that theme. By the way, Randy, whenever we were yes. at any of the screenings, people go crazy over it. That's right. No, that's great. Well, Rex, that was when you were asking the the uh, you know the the mechanics of the whole thing. That that is a big. If it is going to be a uh, a theme, and certainly. Uh, or, or even not even necessarily a theme. If it's going to be a theme, or just some kind of music that is representative of the film, if it's a composer that chooses not to do a theme, that's a really big sort of hump for us to get over as, as composers. You know, we're very nervous. We send this out to the filmmakers, and you know, you spend a lot of time on on a theme or a, a or a, a statement piece of music for the project you're on. And if it's not, you know, if it's not approved, you kind of have to go back to square one and kind of do something else. And because if you do something too similar, well, then you, you know, it's probably also going to not get approved. So it's a real big thing. And like Lenore said, uh, she liked it, and, and Steve liked it, and uh, and that was a way to get moving on the film. And we had very little time, and you know, little money, and 
all that kind of stuff equates to, you really have to move. So I appreciate Lenore saying that, but just from a schedule point of view, I needed to really get moving, which I did. And and also the film was easy to um, it was easy to, for me to understand what to do because it's it's well written and well directed and well acted and all that, which makes my job you know so much easier. And I will say that Steve um, came in at some point um, and really yep. backed. Um, the growth of the score because at some point we said okay we have a film here uh small film and we'd like to we'd like to have we all wanted the option including myself that this film could play in a in a big theater and be able to hold up in you know with the yep. weight of a big theater and you know 500,000 or so people whatever big the theaters are and you really can't do that with a small tv synth score it just it's not gonna it won't feel right in, in a theater with a lot of people and big speakers it, it won't it'll just sort of crumble and steve stepped up and really uh decided to fund um a much bigger score than i think uh i think those guys um intended and it was a really smart move because um it, it then made the film I feel, well, not completely the music, obviously, but it helped make the film become a theatrical experience. And, yep. um, yeah, and, and, and that, that's, that's a, that's, that made it that much more pleasurable for, for me as a composer also. And it gave me many more tools to work with because now I, I didn't have to, uh, as far as the process you were talking about, um, Rex, then when I was writing music, I knew that I could have this, these synth sounds replaced with real violins, real strings, real woodwinds, Native American, real Native American instruments, which we use for percussion and flutes and uh, all kinds of um, uh, elements uh, uh, that, uh, in, especially in, in the guitar world, we use dobros and weizenborns, which is kind of like a lap steel guitar, mandolins, and uh, we use piano. All this stuff was acoustic and, and brass, French horns, all these things as you're writing. Um, and moving ahead in the score, you know you have these tools available. And I thank the filmmakers for, for making that available. <laughs> That's awesome. I have, I have a question I want to ask you, but I'm going to have to take a break. We're actually at the halfway point already, and I'm going to take a, a short break, and uh, you guys hang in, and uh, we'll be right back. I'm really enjoying this. And uh, let me throw my question out to you before the break, just – well, no, it's, it's going to be a lengthy question, but it's, it's about the importance of being able to communicate. And in, in this in this particular case, sounds like you, Lenore, and Steve, and everybody, you know, managed to get on the same page and communicate well. And mm -hmm. maybe because of your relationship previous to the movie or prior to the movie, and 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 who and and everything. But I have a question about uh, what uh, composer, arranger, uh, conductor, orchestrator can do to help a director or producer communicate to them what they want. And I'll ask you that question in just a moment. Um, but uh, you're listening to Rex Likes Movie Beat. The official URL is rexsikes.com. All of the interviews are both live and archived at the interviews blog there. You can listen directly from there. If you're listening live or archived, please leave comments before you go away at the player. Uh, leave them today. If you're in the chat room, leave some comments. Let the uh, people who stumble across these uh, discussions know what you thought about uh, my guests and my show. I appreciate it very much. If you uh, subscribe to the podcast at iTunes, which is absolutely free, it's Rex Sykes Movie Beat, uh, rate and review the show. It helps increase our visibility and, uh, and, and uh, increases our prominence on the Internet. So please do share these with everybody near and far and rate and review and leave comments. Thank you so much. All right. Um, I also want to say that uh, 
Uh, it is Yellow Rock Movie, yellowrockmovie.com. That is the official web address. It's Yellow Rock Movie on Facebook. It's Yellow Rock Movie at Twitter. So all of those or each of those you can use to uh, learn more about Yellow Rock, the movie. And it's an incredible movie. It's available right now. You can get it at Netflix and, and different places. We'll have Lenore uh, tell you about that when, she, when we come back. But, uh, but see it. And it's uh, so worth to see. And listen to it because the score is great. And uh, it's randymiller.com, randymiller.com, just as it sounds. All right. My next guest will be uh, coming up uh, Tuesday the 29th is Paul Rockman. He's returning. He's the co-founder of Slamdance, started in uh, punk rock music uh, videos a long time ago, documentary films, narrative films. And we're going to continue our discussion with Paul about uh, Slamdance. I hope I said that the first time. Slamdance co-founder. And... Um, and we'll continue the discussion about that, and we'll find out how Slamdance went this year. And then Peter Sharenko is supposed to come up on the 31st. He is also in Yellow Rock. He is uh, uh, an invaluable asset both in front of and behind the camera to uh, Yellow Rock and to movies in general, and so you're going to want to listen to Peter. I'm in L.A. from the 2nd until about the 15th of uh, February on business in uh, L.A. and San Francisco, so uh, all my L.A. friends, uh, we can meet up. Uh, I would love to do that. And uh, I may or may not do uh, any shows while I'm there, but but rest assured we have plenty of uh, guests on the return to the show. If during the hiatus we don't do any, then go ahead and listen to all these previous interviews. There's over 300 hours of, actually more than 400 hours of, of interviews with professional filmmakers like Christopher Lockhart who, uh, again, is in the chat room. He, he's done about five interviews. We're going to have him back, five discussions. He's great. We talked about Most Valuable Players, the, the movie that uh, Randy scored. We've talked about uh, The Collector and the collection to other movies he produced. We've talked about his role and, and job as story editor at William Morris Endeavor and how you attach talent to, to movies and, and how you know name A-list talent gets, gets screenplays uh, developed for them and, uh, a, a valuable resource. I'm glad that Chris is here, and uh, uh, as, as as everyone, welcome in the chat room. All right, so we're back, and um, so here's my question, and Lenora, maybe you can appreciate this as well because mm -hmm. uh, you're obviously you're an actor and producer. And, but as an actor, you know, sometimes the director comes to you and says, "That's great, I, I like it. Now change it up." And they don't really tell you how to change it; they just allow you to go, "Okay, I'm going to whatever." <laughs> Others will say, "Well, that was good, but uh, I need more, and more is unspecified." You go, "More, more, what? A bigger? I, it's just got to be bigger. It's got to be, uh, I don't know, uh, you enhance it in some way." Yeah. And you, you, know, you go, "Well, geez, my gosh, what am I supposed to do?" Um, and uh, this happens a lot of times in auditions when they're trying to see if you can take direction or if you can vary the. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes as actors, you know, <laughs> the joke is we we say we can do it differently, but we do it the same. Um, <laughs> We give them the same thing back, but 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 anyway, the, the the point I'm trying to make is that sometimes directors can be precise in what they want and and get it from an actor or from the composer, but sometimes they don't maybe know exactly what they want either. They just want something else. Uh, maybe it's it's, it's got to be smaller. It's got to be quieter. It's got to be, you know. So how do you, as a composer? Uh, communicate with the director. I mean, how can, for the directors listening who might want to work with a composer, work with you or something in the future, wh how do we assist them in articulating what they want so that you can deliver without having to go through all these endless machinations of, of guessing? Yeah, it's a great question, and, it, and it's one of, uh, one of a – it's a question that 
that composers get into very difficult spots um, when a director when a director truly doesn't know what they want or a producer that's that's scary because you're just you're just guessing i mean the film certainly and the scene certainly is going to suggest uh, what what the music should be like and most composers would 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 be able to look at the scene and and have a pretty good idea what the the, the should be like but if the director doesn't have any sense of what they're looking for um that that can be a problem and then you're just taking a guess and you do your best guess based on what you see in the film and hopefully you get it right or at least close as a starting point for the then the uh, director to to comment um if the director comes in and has a clear idea of what they want they they don't need just touches on what I talked about earlier they don't need to say specific musical uh things in the musical language but they just need to know dramatically what they want and i think the this the the worst situation is even one step worse than that is when the scene is truly bad and they know it <laughs> yeah. i know it and it's one of those things fix it and you really can't fix it you can kind of put some band-aids on it but you really you really can't fix it because it is what it is and and music's going to just it'll help a little bit um but you do start even with that you you start doing you know, you do your best work you can and it gives the director some place uh, some starting point to to comment but i do yeah, just to, i'm saying it again over but the 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 real truth of it is if for the director to do their own homework and think about the music before they sit down with the composer and think about what they want the audience to feel the overall arc of the and another big thing is the the overall arc of the music as related to the entire film should this be an action piece here or or more not, not an action piece should this be uh, a piece of music that reflects what you see on the screen meaning the physical action should it reflect what's going on in the thoughts of the actor mm-hmm. the actors and on another choice should it be something that that the audience is supposed to see but not the actors you know perhaps you have a, a scary scene where you don't you want to bring up the level of of the 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 threat but the, but the the character has no idea that's going on that's going on and so you know there's multiple ways of uh of communicating uh, of the director and or producer communicating to the um composer Lenore, what what about you how did you Think about I, this yeah, I, I think, and and again, I had no point of reference, guys. You know, Randy was Randy was my first, you know, time out, but I can't imagine working any other way now. First of all, I can't imagine working with any other composer than Randy anyway. <laughs> well, that's, that's the goal. You want you need to repeat people to come back. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I'm a lifer. We're lifers with Randy. We, you know, Daniel Bayouze and Steve and Nick. I mean, we all were just like done. Put you know, that's it. So you become um, a studio. Yeah, exactly. We're we're trying. We're becoming <laughs> this little mini mini thing, mini studio. Which you know, you're right, Rex. Because now I understand, and I've worked with Martin Scorsese as an actor, and uh, you know, I've worked with Woody Allen, and these guys. Now I understand why they work with the same people over and over again. Because this simpatico that I have with Randy, and and my producing partners and our director, this is this is golden. You can't, you know, that's like finding a needle in a haystack sometimes to find the perfect person who sees things and hears things and is on the same exact page and and you know you don't 
don't need to go through these machinations that poor Randy's gone through before with other people that are not being that are not clearly communicating. So that being said, you know, from my standpoint and my process, what you did with me, Randy, was was spot on because um, it gave me the ability. And this is, I think, for for directors and filmmakers out there, if you're not getting that from your composer, I think that this is a great note for you guys to bring it to your composer. So, if, in other words, if, if the if the composer is just saying, okay, what do you want here, and they're not giving you what Randy gave me, then why not have the director or producer say, you know what, here's what I would love the audience to be feeling at this moment. If you're writing, if you're describing to the composer from the standpoint of emotion, that's what you want out of the audience. And that was enormously helpful to me to give him those adjectives. And again, of course, you might say, look, you know, at this point, Dr. Sarah, she's got one leg in the native world and one leg in the Western world. So that's a little bit different. You know, we're talking about her character now and where she's placed in and amongst these characters. So from that standpoint, it would be more about the fact that she's the softer character. She's sort of the heart of the movie. Remember we had that discussion, Randy? Yeah. You and I about Dr. Sarah? Oh, yeah. Um, and and how she's sort of she's different than than the white posse. She's different than the the Indians of the Black Paw tribe. So you know you would they would get into some of those more descriptive aspects. And then he did. He made her character sort of more softer and and much more natural until she gets angry. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that was enormously helpful. And that what that's what I would import to to filmmakers. You know, if you don't get to work with Randy and you work with another composer, I would use that as a tool. I think it's enormously helpful. Yeah, and, and and Rex, that's a great question because because um it's so important because you know you're bringing in this person, uh, this composer, who perhaps uh, is the last. Um, I'm just thinking if this is true or not, but perhaps is the last person on the film that is bringing in a whole new creative element. And I'm not saying yes. the sound is not creative; it certainly is, but. It's a little different with music because it's a whole language, and you're bringing in a, another language, literally a language as a, as in Chinese or Spanish or whatever. You bring in a language that is going to be laced through the, the movie that musicians understand, um, composers certainly understand, the players that they hire, the musicians that they hire, directors and producers and the people behind the other people behind the scene may not i mean they may not be at all trained musically and even even and that's fine i mean it's if they don't understand the the language they they to to say oh well we need something um that uh they they don't need to know the technical and and compositional tools that composers do but they just need to know the dramatic elements of what they're looking for and with this new element that's coming in um it can completely change a, a film as we all know and, mm-hmm. and, and good and bad and you know <laughs> yeah. and what lenora was saying about the score uh so i'm bringing in this new element this new creative uh element to the film and and when i'm doing it she's hearing demos and and commenting and i'm making changes which we did all along the way there wasn't you know, not much. Not much, but there was there was still plenty. I yeah, looked at my sure. notes, notes, Lenore. There's more than you think. Is that right? <laughs> Which is normal, yeah. But <laughs> I have a lot good. to say. You had <laughs> yeah. things to say about the music. You knew what you wanted, and so did Steve. And you guys had comments. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a terrible, but there was there was definitely stuff, and, and that's fine. But then also, my thought was that there's opportunity later, um, because that's just in the demo stage where we're. And this goes to Rex. What you were 
the initial question is the how things kind of progress. So after we do these demos, um, and the director gets out and the producer gets out all their thoughts on what they want the music to do, then we start. Hopefully, in this case, we're able to do live instruments. And then there's a whole other stage there where you're bringing in real musicians, great world-class musicians who can just come in and make this stuff come alive. And you have all these controls uh, and all these pieces of the score, which then you, you do in, in the mix, but this is the music mix, just what I'm doing with the music. And there's a whole lot of places for adjustments. Like perhaps, um, and we, we ran across this uh, uh Several times. More, you need more one, cowbell. What, yeah, well, yeah. Like, for example, there was one scene in, in a, uh, a tent where yeah, Dr. Sauer yeah. uh, is, is, is working on a, an injury from one of the uh, uh, Indians. Uh, and um, it's very noisy in there, they, you know, because people mm-hmm. are screaming and there's languages, there's English, there's, you know, there's this Native American language going on, there's commotion. So, what is the music going to do? Music has to be urgent, has to push the scene forward. Um, and it needs to yet play under all this without clogging up the few little open air spots that there is for music. So we layered a lot of real percussion and real woodwinds and, and all these things. But later we had the opportunity to take out some of those elements um, mm-hmm. yeah. in, the, in my mix. And then there's even uh, chances later in the overall film mix to do that. But um, And we did. We, we took out some things that were just too busy or that didn't, it moved things along and pushed things. It, it did accomplish the urgent, urgency, mm-hmm. but it got too complicated. And that happened a couple scenes, and which is normal, normal stuff, normal tailoring, normal chiseling down of the score um, to get it so it, exa- it is exactly right. So let, let, I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt, but I, I do. I, I want to ask you a question here regarding, um, I, and I also want to make a statement in that. Uh, I know we're going to have to do uh, further interviews, <laughs> discussions on this because because there's so much in the orchestration, you, yeah. you know, and conducting and arranging in the whole orchestration, and then of course, you know, once it's put onto the film and and the adjustments that you make and whether you move it forward or backward or or, or delete or add instrumentation. But uh, one of the questions that I have is is up until the point where you actually orchestrate it what is lenore and steve listening to are they listening to something that you've created on a synthesizer are they listening to it a keyboard melody i mean how do you present the music to the producer director um in the working stage so that they get an idea of how it's going to go yeah no it's it's uh technology's really helped that and and uh what what it is is that I'm I'm writing the music to to picture here to you know the the video that they I have which is on the computer, and then I'm making a mix of the music uh, with really high end, great sound. So it sounds very realistic, but it's still not real. It's not real players, but it sounds very very good. And then I'm taking that, let's say it's a two minute scene like this one in the tent. Uh, and then I'm, I'm clipping, I'm making a, an edit, so that sort of exists yeah. on its own, that little two-minute scene. I'm mixing in the music, and then I make a little mini-movie of just that two-minute um, scene with the, with the mix and the dialogue and any effects that are available at the time, meaning um, audio effects, you know, the, the right. sound effects. And I'm sending it to, to Steve and Lenore uh, over just basically posting it on my, you know, on my, on my website or, you know, just sending it. Yeah sending it to them and they're and they're at home watching it and i'm sure 
either loving it or cursing it or doing whatever they're doing and taking notes and you know sending it back. That that is kind of the process. So so it's it's it is orchestrated before you actually use live instruments. I mean, you're, it's you're orchestrated doing... in in a synth way, which synth you're right. I mean, it's it's not that far away from the final orchestration, but because you're using real musicians at some point, it has to be uh, rewritten. Um, sure. Uh, in a more technical way that they can play it, and it's notated exactly correct. But you're right. It, it basically is orchestrated. You're absolutely right. Now, you brought up something, and, and both of you did, actually. You brought up something that I, I find really fascinating, and, and I and I want to be able to spend as much time as we can on it or as necessary on it. And that is, you know, I know a lot of people, myself included. You know, I wrote a screenplay back in the in the 70s when I was much, much younger, and, and I heard a piece of music, but, oh, that's going to be the opening theme. You know, that was a driving shot, you know, through the hills of California. And I went, oh, it's got to be this music. And it was a popular huh? song. And then, of course, I had to have Born to Run with Bruce Springsteen in it. You know, that kind of thing, because I loved the hunting. You know, and so it, it really became this kind of hodge. I mean, obviously it didn't happen, but uh, it became this hodgepodge of different styles because I liked that sound for that song for that scene. And and I know I, I, I sit down with a lot of directors now, or stu- even student directors, they go, I have to have this, and they want some commercial hit because they think that that sums up the this particular piece. Now, uh, this, this is background for my question, and that is, you've now orchestrated scenes, and you send it off to Lenore, and then there's another scene, like maybe it's you know the the Native American scene, or maybe it's a journey scene, or maybe it's you know the opening scene or something. Um, you've done these in different in in different sections that they've looked at, and maybe they go, yes, this is good, you know. But there comes a point where it's now all put together for the film. And you mentioned the word, the musical arc, or the thematic arc of the music, which is something that I got I to say, I never actually uh, considered it in that way. We talk about story arc and character arc and mm-hmm. you know, all this yeah. kind of stuff. But the, but the music arc for a movie is, is something that I think uh, bears a lot of investigation with you right now. <laughs> because... <laughs> Because all this is pieced together, and and we're, you know, you I mean, you know how movies are made, but there's this overall thing from start to end, and and how it it moves and changes and and pulls the audience along and clues them in, you know, in advance or, you know, I mean, can you can you lend more voice to this concept that you brought up earlier? Sure, um, it's that that's a fascinating topic um, because I, I feel yeah. that. Uh, experience as a composer is is probably the uh the most important um way to to do that correctly i mean you just need to do a bunch of films to to understand that because it's you are uh, in the process of the several weeks or perhaps two months that you have to do the film you're you are working scene by scene it could be all over the place it could be one of the last scenes could be then you're jumping to the beginning of the film we uh, go to the middle. In 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 case of Yellow Rock, I kind of went from the beginning to the end, which is yeah. not what I normally do, but but I did it in this case. Um, but the overall music arc, um, musical arc, which I call it, there's no real term for that. That's just what I kind of called it. Um, it's really, really it. critical because if you start having scenes that are back to back with music, which you will have, and you didn't think about what's coming up or before what's coming up after you could be overplaying your main theme too many times it becomes repetitive and, and perhaps even boring uh you might find yourself um doing too much um 
too many scenes in a row that use uh, a particular type of instrumentation where you're not, uh, and may, or maybe you want that because you want a uh, continuation uh, and, and just a, a feeling of, of smoothness. So all those things have to come into play. And I remember at one point, Lenore, um, we'd written a lot, and uh, we needed to do that, and we actually put it all together. Do you remember yeah. when we said, yeah. okay, let's, now is the time. Let's, let's go and watch everything so we can get a feel for everything. Yes, uh, yes. And, and I, did you come here, or did I send you everything? I think you came here to the I, studio. I, I came there. Yeah, I came there. And, and there's something that I think is very valid um, about what you're both saying here. And <clears throat> I'd like to note this for filmmakers. Um, Randy's right. Once you get to the stage of now you're, you're, the, the score is going to be happening, from my standpoint, it does completely change and shift everything because now – it's already been cut. Maybe the picture's locked or, or close to being locked, rather. It's not going to be fully locked yet. And <clears throat> what I have to do now is his music now takes over and becomes the next dialogue of the movie. So everything I'm doing from that standpoint on, whether it's working with the colorist and the studio, whether it's working with, um, which was Blacklist Productions, they did an amazing job, uh, um, Monkeyland Audio, the sound designer, the ADR, um, the sound effects, uh, all of these aspects, even even visual effects, everything starts to come into play and is now I'm being led by what Randy's doing. Because how the film looks and how the film has sound design incorporated into it, I need to I need to be standing now and helming that ship based upon what that score is. Do you know what I'm saying, Rex? Uh-huh. It, uh-huh. It, it starts to lead the producer and, and director in, a, in another direction. In our case, thankfully, he completely elevated the level of the picture. So everything needed to not only come up to that standard, um, but it also needed to work in concert with what he was doing and emphasize what that music was going to be in terms of, of its storyline and its arc throughout the picture. Well, th- thank you, Lenore, for saying that's very, very generous and appreciated. And um. One thing that's interesting, uh, Rex, about a composer coming in, and I kind of touched upon it, being saying it's a new sort of creative element, is uh, I think that filmmakers, um, and it's a little awkward for, for this is a sort of an insider thing for composers, and for, for me, is um, uh, you know, a filmmaker comes to you and they're showing you their film and they're 85% of the way through the project. It, it definitely is what it is at that point, unless mm-hmm. they go through reshooting and re-editing. Yeah. And they're looking at you kind of as a new person who's seeing their film. Forget about the composer aspect. You're just, a, you're just another person watching their film like you or I would just watch any film and commenting on, on this project. And, you know, they're trying to read you and, 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 and you, know, you, 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 you know, you really can't hide it. I mean, either you're going to be excited about it or you're not. And... Um, I just think from a, from a director's point of view, I mean, Lenore, that's an, I mean, I haven't worked with a lot of composers, but I think that's an interesting place when, you know, you're showing this composer the film and, and the yeah. new person has to comment on, on the overall film, not just the music of the film. Yeah, and thankfully yours was really, I really received good comments from you. Would <laughs> <laughs> have been a little too late, you know. Yeah. Rex, jump in uh, as far as... Uh, 
I'm just so I'm just really fascinated. I mean, this this really is is there's so much great information and there's so the level of detail, you know. I mean, uh, and a level of attention that goes into, uh, you know, a, a collaboration of this sort between uh, composing and arranging and and getting the right feel for the right moments at the you know at the, at the right time. What instruments you then end up choosing to you know to uh, to convey those those feelings and those themes. Um, That's an interesting thing. Of, uh, can I comment a little bit about that? Sure, sure. Um, in, in this case, uh, in, in in Yellow Rock, um, because it was that combination of of uh, traditional Western and uh, and um, um, you know Native American things, I there were scenes that were were straight had Native American, you know, that that was you know, it was done in, in their in their their community where the their teepees and there's you know, the that and there was yeah, other things village, that yeah. were done like the like the shootouts were straight ahead western. So some instruments um like whenever I use the guitars or any sort of guitar oriented stuff, it almost always with was with the Western kind of influence. And I don't mean necessarily just acoustic guitars you'd think of you know, in a Western, but these were unusual things like mandolins, and and which you know certainly is is used for more than just westerns. But anytime I use that, those type of string guitar type of instruments, always always with the Western sound. With the flute was really interesting because the the concert flute, you know, the regular C concert flute, the silver flute that everybody sees in an orchestra called a concert flute can be played in lots of different ways. So that was a great transition instrument for me. I was able to use that when I needed to transition from a Western thing into a Native American thing, and I could use the flute as kind of a, a middle ground. And when it got over to the Native American side of the music, then I could bring up real Native American flutes, which we had. We had wood flutes, and we had a, a variety of, um, of, of different types of um of small uh, bamboo flutes and these things called ocarinas, which sound like bird mm. calls. So, and then uh, another another example is the trumpet was clearly Western, and I only used it a few times, but it was square in the middle of Western sound of things, where the drums and the percussion kind of bridged both. So we had yeah, they did, yeah, yeah, we had bass drums, and then we had these big frame drums, which are, are Indian, uh, not only Indian, American Indian, but all around the world, Native cultures use frame drums. It just means a frame around a skin, you know, a head, the skin, uh, and there's a frame around it. So there are all kinds of different sizes. But the drums also were nice transitional elements um, to what you were saying, Rex, as far as um, what instruments are used where. And the strings, the real strings, the violins and cellos and basses, they're kind of used everywhere. That's kind of like the heart of this particular score. They were used with the Native Americans. They were used with the Western sound. They were also a type of instrument that was able to bridge kind of um, both worlds. So let me ask this um, for a compare and a contrast. Uh, first First part of my question is, you know, there are a lot of different genres. There's, you know, horror, comedy, romantic comedy, western, I guess, suppose traditional classical western, or, or uh, now a different form of western. There's, you know, you mentioned that uh, this is a uh, western. It's a journey movie. It's a Native American spiritual elements to it. I mean, there's a lot of different things that Yellow Rock is. Um, there's action flicks. You know, I mean, there's, there's, uh, yeah. 
dramas. I mean, so it, for a composer, um, understanding genre of the film, or it, w- would it matter so much? Could you just go in and go, you know, I think this would lend itself here. I mean, you work in this business, you know, a long time. You get a lot of credits to your name, Randy. So, but uh, I guess what I'm saying is, anybody just score a movie or? Yeah, no, it's, a, it's a great question, also, and and to me, um, no, I mean there's certain there's certain uh, there's certain composers that have a very specific style, and they're hired on the same type of films over and over again, and, and sometimes that's not warranted. They can do a lot of different things. Sometimes it is, and um, and they really are more of a, a one style type type composer. Uh, myself, I like to pride myself that I can do a lot of different things, and I have done a lot of different things, very, very broad range, uh, and and that's been a pleasure because I have had the opportunity to work on in really big films, you know, major studio films and small films, and in all genres. But I will say the main thing, though, for me personally, is there's only been a few instances, and this is very important for me. Um, uh, the, over the last 20 years as I've been composing for, for features, is there's only been a handful of films, and, and Yellow Rock is one of them, um, that have given me um, a feeling that I'm contributing something to humankind, because I think, <laughs> I think of a composer, you know, okay, so we, you know, sometimes we make a lot of money, sometimes we don't, but sometimes we do, and there's all these other professions which are so important, you know, teachers and firefighters and, and policemen and, you know, and doctors and, and these sort of things, and what am I doing? Okay, so I'm a film composer, and it's exciting, and I'm using, you know, recording world-class musicians and working with great filmmakers like, you know, Lenore and Steve and and Nick and you know and, and and everybody, but there's only a few films that I feel like is contributing that I've worked on that really contribute something positive, and and this did in terms of the Native American um, spiritual sort of uh, plans on things. Yeah. yeah, and there's been other films, you know, in the past that that have done that. I won't start speaking about a whole bunch of other films, but there's been a handful that have done that. But then most of them really haven't and and there's nothing wrong with doing those and i love doing them and they're great and they're fun but the rare occasion is what's very special to me and in yellow rock was one of those that's that's very cool i i you know you were saying there's all these other important professions and i and i i often thought my ex-wife used to say to me you know oh you just want to act or what what, how cool is that you know i mean how do you contribute (laughs) to the world and and it wasn't until this moment, really, when you know, in in our discussion, that I thought, you know, we we are the people who pass along culture. Yeah. We, we we are the equivalent of the oral tradition, you know, thousands of years mm. ago, and, and mm-hmm. for the, you know, and that's what you do, and that's what actors do, and that's what producers and directors and filmmakers, you know, media makers do, is we're we're passing along the culture, and some of it, you know, I mean, somebody could make a crappy pot. Uh, or, or brass, you know, fixture or something. Two thousand years ago, somebody could make a really well done one, but both are part of culture. So um, yeah, well put, well well put. Yeah, right? 
Yeah, and I, th- I think you're 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 both right on this, and and you know Rex, uh, what you just said about being an actor, um, uh, you know I've always actually felt that one of the most noble things you can do is to be an actor. It takes an enormous amount of sacrifice uh, to do it. It has an enormous amount of rejection to it, um, and but if you're coming to it from, you know, and certainly people come to it from all for all different reasons, but I, I know that from my own experience, I wanted to say something. I wanted to be effective, and I wanted to touch people which was why I started Enlightenment Films, and, and Steve joined up with me, and I met people like Randy over the course of, of my career who also had something to say, and, and I really value what you just said, Randy, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart for yeah, saying yeah. what you did. And, and that, was, that is my intention. My intention as an actor is to then put out there um, um, pieces that actually affect people um, and touch them in some way. And that, you know, ergo enlightenment films. But, uh, you know, so I do think that whether, you know, an actor is, is, is doing what I'm doing or whether they're not, there's still so much validity to what they can be doing. And, and the same thing with you, Randy, you know, as a composer, um, this was very effective. I mean, this movie, Yellow Rock, is going all around the world. It's being released. It's, it's been screening um, at festivals and winning awards all around the country. Um, you know, we, we, we never know as artists how we are going to actually affect what, what that energy is that we're putting out, where that's going to actually then, you know, create fire and continue and get bigger and bigger. And I think, you know, this was really a blessing for all of us. Agreed. Very cool. That is, no, and that is very well put. I, I do want to draw attention back to um, uh, one of the other films that we briefly mentioned that you did uh, with Chris, The uh, Most Valuable Players, because this is the feel-good documentary, a very different style of film, and, of documentary versus narrative. But even in documentary, it tells a story. It tells the story of these kids and, and what they go through and their teacher and things like that. Um, how do you, how does it differ to score something like a documentary versus a narrative film? Yeah, and, well, that, that no, that's a it's a it's a good question. And then that that film, Most Valuable Players, was also one of those films that I would put in the category just because, like you just said, it was a feel good movie, and uh, it, it it there are so many kids out there that do. Um, uh, and I'm going to answer about documentary in a second. That 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 do something that might be a little bit unusual, but they love doing it. Uh, you know, uh, whether they whether they uh, are in musical theater or or something else that's not your standard uh, uh, your standard uh, thing to do in in high school, which gets the most attention, which is usually sports and, and this kind of thing. So these kids are all doing musical theater, and they're a little bit nerdy to some of the sports kids and whatnot, but it's giving them great uh self esteem and they're fantastic at it and yes it is a complete feel good movie being a documentary um it is different you you know you really can't push the audience around too much and you shouldn't um as a composer i mean you you can where it's where you, it's agreed upon to do that but it is a documentary and you're just laying out kind of uh you're supporting what the movie is is laying out for anybody to interpret um in this case, it was a, a, a documentary about musicals, so we had the, the the complication of there being a lot of music from <laughs> right. musicals inside the documentary. And we didn't want the score to sound like it was one of the songs from one of the musicals, so I needed to make a score that sounded like a feature film score, but yet had Broadway and, and musical uh, theater uh, 
uh, feeling about it, which and luckily I've had that in my background, um, so it was, it was easy for me to do it, and it was fun to do it. And it was a great pleasure to do it because uh, Chris and, and, and the director, Matthew, um, uh, put together a great story, a great story arc with a tremendous emotional appeal to really everybody, but in particular to to kids that uh, are doing something a little different um, and and need to be recognized. Uh, but the, the the mechanics they really are all the same. Everything we talked about applies to documentary. Documentary, except I would say that you have to be a little more careful about the dramatic uh, intensity of the music. It makes uh, makes good sense. We we are at that point where we only have a, a few minutes left. I'm enjoying this so much, and I and I obviously I do want to have you back uh, as soon as we can make those arrangements to discuss more on you know the orchestrating and conducting and and uh, and putting the music you know together and 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 what you do there and and how you worked with uh, Lenore. Uh, but this has been an absolutely fascinating talk. I don't think that there's you know, I know we haven't covered it before. As I said, you know, it's been something I've wanted to do for a long time. Um, but, you know, it, it, I, I suppose one could look at, you know, the movie Silent, uh, the actor. <laughs> I can't even think of it. With the artist. Oh, yeah. And, and go back and say, well, you know, I mean, here again, it's a silent movie, but but they, they took the time to score it. Um, so we, we haven't done enough, you know, uh, with this side of movie making, and I really appreciate you being here to to uh, to lend us your expertise and your know-how and your knowledge. Thank because, you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Yeah, it's, it's it's but I mean it's so critical. I mean, I, I'll, I'll give you an example from my childhood. I I grew up. I, I, I was a teenager, I guess, but I, I saw um, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, and the score to that resonated with me so much that whenever I went skiing, I would hear this music as I would go down the hill, just like James Bond did in the slopes. And they had, you know, they put in the song "I Think We Have All the Time in the World" by Louis Armstrong, and and at the end of the movie, when you know bad things happen, they they cue this thing in, and I just and I just remember how horrible I felt as a young teenager sitting there going, wow, if that ever happened to me, you know, uh, you know, and I mean, uh, and, and would cry, you know, I would bring tears to my eyes. That, the, 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 that I think sometimes we as filmmakers are so, and, and the directors that I sometimes work, get to work with and know are so interested in getting the right shot, mm. and, and the, as they should be during the production phase. But then the idea of actually scoring it and, and the post phase, and actually, you know, uh, making the you made a, a, an important point too, but having it actually be theatrical versus like being a television score, you know, score for right. yeah. making making that event, and and so I'm going to want to come back and talk to you about that kind of thing and how that differs. And I got to say that the score for for Yellow Rock, I love the movie Yellow Rock. Lenore knows this, and <laughs> and we're spending a lot of time on this. I've seen it now multiple times, and I love the score. <laughs> And it's a, it's a privilege and an honor to have you both here um, today. So Thanks I want to I, I want to let you have the, both of you let the, the final word here, and, uh, it, and we've got about maybe three or four minutes at the very most. Lenore, okay. you go. You go. 
Uh, sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Rex, for having us on again. I, I really do appreciate it. And, and I, I personally speak for my partners, Steve and Daniel and our director, Nick. And, you know, we love your passion for our film, and, and we thank you so much. And, and I, I do think that it was very important to have Randy Miller, such an amazing composer. Um, we're blessed to have had him. I think you're right. I think it's rare to actually have composers um, uh, on shows, so I'm, I'm thrilled that, that he's been able to help impart some, some wisdom, not only on, on what he did on Yellow Rock, but to aspiring filmmakers and composers and the like. Um, we actually are going to be... Uh, putting the CD out of the musical score from Yellow Rock. Um, And I felt that that was important because, um, and and Randy, you and I had actually talked about this. We had sort of always kind of danced around that topic, but I, I sat one day in my car with um, with the soundtrack, and I wanted to see if it stood on its own. Sometimes you can't do that. You can't, you know, make a CD of the score. It just sort of doesn't stand. And I was just blown away. And I came back to Randy and went, "Randy, we got to do this." <laughs> and uh-huh. people were people have seen the movie, and, and they're asking where can they get the CD. So that's the next phase for us on this. Um, and uh, Randy, if you want to tell them about uh, where they can get it from um, Entrada, and then I'll take take it back. Sure, sure. Um... Yes, uh, Entrada Records is a company in San Francisco. They will be, uh, they will have the score, um, the, the CD. I would say in a few weeks, we're almost yep. done with it, and I think it will be available on all the uh, usual places, CD Baby, and I'm sure on Yellow Rock website, um, which Lenore can can speak about. We'll we'll update that as soon as we get some more info. But I just wanted to thank you, Rex. You asked great questions, and yeah. even your your fact of bringing up the uh, James. Bond movie. I mean that that was all done by John Barry, who's a great right. composer. He's he's uh, he was a fantastic composer that actually did Dances with Wolves, and uh, he's a great uh, composer to talk about sometime as far as uh, uh, styles that have influenced me and and uh, and whatnot. But um, so I want to thank you and 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 Steve and Daniel and Nick and of course Lenore for bringing me on this project, and uh, we look forward to um, speaking with you anytime you want, Rex. You're, you're fantastic. <laughs> like I said, that's cool. Um, I want to I want to uh, give you a comment, and uh, and that is from Chris Lockhart, who said, uh, "Great conversation, and Randy is a god." <laughs> I tell him and, I certainly don't disagree with him, and he is the new John Barry. <laughs> and and, and, so and he adds, and he adds, he's terrific to work with, and was such an integral part of our film. Uh, he's done. Uh, he did. So so much above and beyond, and is so devoted to the project that he's a rare entity. So, uh, what an awesome, what an awesome statement from Chris Lockhart. Very cool. Thank you, thank you, Chris. <laughs> thank you. Chris, I agree with you wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what is really cool is I've, I've got to say that I've got three people uh, listening right now. Uh, yourselves, both of you, and Chris, and who I don't know who else is there. You know, a lot of the guests just show up as guest 102 or something like that. But uh, three very, very awesome, incredibly talented and dedicated uh, filmmakers and, and people who have contributed so much to uh, my listeners and myself and, and to people all around the world, both through your movies and through your advice. So thanks to you and thanks to Chris and everyone. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, Randy. And Lenore, we're, um, Randy, I'm going to call you in a little bit, and and uh, and, and Lenore, and, and we'll talk, sure. and we'll figure out how we can uh, um, uh, get you back real soon. And uh, thanks so much for for all the stellar advice and wisdom that you both have uh, given us today. 
Oh, thank, thank you, you so much, Rex. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, bye-bye. Again, fascinating, fascinating guests, Lenore Adriel and Randy Miller. I want to thank them both for being here today. I want to thank uh, all of you in the chat room and all of you who are listening live or archived for being here and for spreading the word, sharing this near and far, and for leaving comments at the player or for rating and reviewing the podcast when you get those. Again, my upcoming guests will be Paul Rockman of Slam Dance. He's going to come back and talk about Slam Dance and about movie making as well. Uh, Peter Sharenko, who is also in Yellow Rock. And um, thanks, Chris. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Um, and uh, he, he, both in front of and behind the scenes, he uh, is an amazing, amazing talent in, in that way. Uh, Peter Marshall will be back. And those are the three guests I'll tell you about uh, coming up. You can follow me on Twitter at Rex Sykes Movie Beat. Uh, the last word is abbreviated BT. You can join us at Rex Sykes Movie Beat Friends on Facebook so you find out more about the upcoming shows. And, of course, the official website is RexSykes.com. Uh, yellowrockmovie.com and uh, we didn't ask where you could get the movie but go to yellowrock.com I meant to do that and I apologize but if you go back and listen to all of the other interviews there's Lenore and Steve Doucette there's uh, Nick Valianga the director there's the Spears brothers um, and there's more coming up with Yellow Rock Uh, but get the movie, see the movie and enjoy it also get most valuable players do that, you'll do yourself a favor and um, uh, I'll be in Los Angeles, as I said, the 2nd of February to the 15th uh, or 14th, something like that. So I'd like to meet all of my uh, Los Angeles friends. It's nice to go back home. Anyway, uh, you've all been great. Thank you so much. Until we meet the next time, which will be Paul Rockman on the 29th, go back and uh, listen to uh, all the other Yellow Rock interviews, listen to Chris's interviews, listen to all my fabulous guests, catch up uh, on some of these. Peter Marshall, we're doing the director's series, we part 21. Go back and listen to uh, the different uh, uh, episodes of the director's series. Uh, you'll be glad you did. So, again, thanks to Randy Miller, thanks to Lenore Adriel. Uh, and to you, the readers and listeners of Movie Beat, I've got uh, more guests coming up, so stay tuned. Keep sharing the website with all your friends and uh, your industry contacts. Everybody have a fabulous day. Make your movies and complete your projects. And until we meet the next time, that's a wrap. <laughs>